the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? In pure dyslexic fashion, as we so often do, running things around backwards, we are very pleased to present what was a Guild presentation with our good friend and Guild member, Stephen McClellan, on what to think about when your firm leader passes away. And Stephen has a ton of great tips. And because it was so valuable and because we wanted everyone to hear the important things that Stephen had to say, we decided to, for the first time ever, turn the Guild meeting into a podcast episode. So without further ado, Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Tyson. Glad to be here today. So let's get started. Where do you want to start when it comes to getting prepared for when the owner does pass away? Meaning it could be it could be us, right? It could be could be me. I could walk outside and get hit by a bus, which would be really hard because we're not on the street here. But if I walked out and got hit by a car or something, you know, I, we got to be ready for it. So where do we want to start with that? Well, you're right. I guess the two big issues are incapacity, right? Or what happens if uh, you die suddenly? And something that we have in common is, you know, the flying. And that really brought on a new meaning when my wife and I, you know, started talking about uh, us flying. Uh, and I, I took her on a date one night uh, over to a state park. And, and she said, you know, how's our estate plan? And I was like, you know, well, I'm an estate planning an elder law attorney. And you know, I thought I need to tweak this up just a little bit. You know, it, it gets more real when, you know, your wife's, you know, life is in your hand. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're not lying. I, I really it really started getting me to think more about my mortality. I remember flying and it was like one of my one of my first solos. It actually was one of my first uh, solo cross countries. And I and it was the weather wasn't the greatest. Right. And. I, it really got me thinking about life in general, but like, okay, what happens? Like if me and my wife are in the plane and we crash, but also like what happens to the firm? Does the firm just go away? So yeah, it really does get you thinking. And Tiffany said, uh, she said, I wish I had this training about 20 months ago. Thanks for doing this guy. So important. Tiffany, thank you for sharing. Cause you're the reason why we started this. So very, very good. But and I, I listened to Tiffany's podcast and it really, it hit me because her story was very similar to my story. I am here because of succession planning. 
And so I guess that might be the best place to start is kind of how I got into what I'm doing. And things are a little different. You know, whether you're a solo or you have an associate or a larger firm, you're probably going to do different things, right? So when I was in law school, I, I started clerking for this older gentleman who had done estate planning in elder law for a number of years. And he had been looking for somebody to take over his practice. He wanted to slow down, take some time off. And so it was a, a great, it was perfect, a perfect opportunity for me to kind of come in. I was young, I was hungry, right? I wanted to bring some great tech and it was perfect. We had a, a great uh, philosophy on life and he was just the perfect mentor. And uh, what happened there was he had cancer that there was a possibility it would come back. And sure enough, about a year before he died, they said, he, I remember he came in, in this very office, he walked in and said, the doctor said, uh, cancer is back and I've got a year to live. And at this point, it, it was the second round and it had metastasized. And so he said, you know, we, we had talked about it many times before, but that's when it really, it's a gut punch. I mean, you, you felt it. I mean, it was... Oh, it, it was terrible. So when I was listening to Tiffany's story, all those feelings of that moment, right? And so our plan was immediately, he said, I want to walk away from this. <laughs> None of this matters. Like the clients don't matter. And so in our plan, we had a plan. We had a transition period of time. It wasn't a sudden death, uh, which is kind of what we alluded to with the airplane. So there was the drafting of the motions to substitute counsel, taking over his cases. And so we had a plan to, but we sent out a letter to his clients. We made sure the phone number transitioned over. So I would have control over that number, uh, which was very important because uh, we do estate planning and that phone number is everywhere. It's on business cards. It's, it's in binders, right? And so keeping that number was extremely important for families. They'd call and, you know, that would help business. So that was a, a nice way to do a succession planning, if one can be a nice way, uh, where you can think about it methodically and have a smooth transition. I'll tell you a funny story about, about that. He tried to tell the bar, our local bar, he said, look, I'm dying and I want to surrender my license. And they wouldn't let him do that. They wanted him to go in front of a judge to declare he was dying. He got this random letter from the Supreme Court. He said, this is stupid. I've got like... It's like, I got nine months left. I'm not going to go spend my day in court declare, <laughs> declaring when to die. Uh, and so he's like, would you please take care of this when I'm gone? And so I had to send them letters afterwards, like months and months. They still wouldn't believe he died. And I'm like, no, here's, you know, that was a silly thing. I thought that was the most insensitive thing I think the bar could have done. Uh, I don't know why he couldn't just voluntarily surrendered his license. Interestingly, his malpractice carrier said, you know, you've been with us for so many years, we'll cover any tail coverage, which was interesting. As lawyers, you kind of want to think about maintaining that for maybe three years or so after you um, are done practicing, however much that is, just keeping that in reserves uh, to pay that, because that's typically how our, our policies, we don't have a occurrence-based policy. We kind of have to buy tail policies. At least that's what most of us have. So, that was a joy. That transition was a joy, but that's not what I see. In, in my state, we, we have a very rural state and we have lawyers that just 
their glory is to die in their office or die in a courtroom so the court reporter can get that final breath. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Do you guys see this uh, in, in your states? I, I see quite a bit when it comes to, like traffic attorneys. I'm like, why are you still doing this? And they're still running around from court to court. But I haven't seen we that get, in a while. When we get the Missouri Bar Journal, I always check the back to see, one, have I been disbarred? And two, have I died? But most of the people in back who died, it's like, 85, 87, but then you'll see someone that's like 38 and you're like, oh man. And then you'll see someone from your law school class. So yeah, it's, I mean, certainly lawyers are working too long. Yeah. You know, and that, that's probably discussion on making sure you set some money aside and retire. That's my plan. I want to be done at 65, right? I, I love what I do, but the truth is I want to be a grandpa. That's more, that's what I want to be more than anything uh, in, in life. So we had a guy in one of the, the towns where I have an office. He was literally taking clients two weeks before he was dying. Like he had cancer too and was signing up people two weeks. And another, we got another guy, he's 93, just still doing estate planning clients. And I'm thinking, you know, you're, uh, you're not going to be there when, uh, you know, the family is there. So, so I've done different things over the years. After he passed, I was a solo for about three or four years. And so I had another attorney uh, that I reached out to and said, you know, if something happens to me, I'd like you to kind of manage this firm for me. And it was kind of an informal agreement. I see that a lot in our area. I had prepared a letter in the event of my death. And I told my wife, just give this letter to this attorney and made sure my wife knew who this attorney was because my I love my wife. Um, she doesn't work in my practice. She's a medical provider and, and doesn't know anything about law, right? So, and running a business would be disastrous for her. I'm sure she could do it. I shouldn't say that, but that's not her thing, right? So I said, look, this isn't a, this is a good attorney. She couldn't have told, a, she, she wouldn't have known a good attorney from a bad attorney, right? And and as, as attorneys, we have to come to the realization that uh, we are replaceable, right? Cemeteries are full of irreplaceable lawyers, Right. So, of course, you'll never feel they'll take care of your folks the way you did, but you got to find someone similar, right, that it can at least help out. So I had that for a while, and that was a, a pretty good plan. And then, thanks to Maximum Lawyer growing, right, and hired an associate attorney. And so things got a little bit, uh, a, a little bit more complex, right? I've got, I got more people on staff and having an associate attorney. I thought it'd be best that she take over uh, for the practice in the event of my death. So a couple of things we've done from a practical standpoint this is very practical stuff. So number one is I set my payroll out typically every quarterly. I do quarterly reviews with everyone. So I set payroll out for three months. Okay. So if something happened to me, that's kind of taken care of. So there's at least three months. If I die on New Year's Eve, well, that might be a problem. But just getting people on salary is kind of my preference. Not, you know, hourly is kind of a pain, right? If they're hourly and keeping up with the time. So I try to get them over to salary as quick as possible. So that was my number one. Their concern is I want them to keep working, right? Number two, as a state planning attorney, we have very far horizons, right? And you would expect us to be thinking about the end in mind. That's something we repeat a lot in the guild, start with the end in mind. What does intake look like? But the, the true end is when your practice is over, right? And so how can you set up your people for success? Well, if, if they don't want to stay there, well, write a letter of recommendation and stick it in their file, right? So if they, if they do have to go somewhere, how impactful would that be is like, hey, my last wish, you know, this employee has been amazing 
and they've done well. The only reason why they're not working for me is I'm dead. They really couldn't have helped that. Right. But something along those lines, I think can be helpful for them. Right. And then when you're talking to your people and that's part of your quarterly meetings, that gives them some comfort that you're thinking really about them, right? That they're not going to be without a reference letter or something like that. Makes sense. 72% of lawyers, 72% of lawyers do not have a succession plan. That was from a 2017 rocket lawyer, uh, whatchamacallit, a, a survey. 72%. I believe that's true because, you know, I, I do trust. I do a lot of revocable trust to protect assets. So I get curious. And so... I start looking up the lawyers in town and it's clear that they haven't done any trust. Like their, their assets are still in their name. Right. Of course, there's maybe some other ways they could have set things up. So they're, you know, the pauper without, with his kids without shoes is a big problem that we take care of everybody, but our own families aren't like taken care of. Right. So I think that 72% is probably pretty accurate based on the people that I encounter and, and talk to. So y'all can interrupt me. <laughs> I, I'm just kind of going on like some. This, this, this is great. I didn't want to interrupt you. Uh, I thought you're you're doing a great job. So I'll talk specifically like uh, so about my spouse, right? So my associate is quite young. I've been practicing ten years. She's been out a year, right? So for me personally, it's really not about the money. Like I have life insurance on me, so if I die, that's going to take care of my family, right? I really look at my associate taking care of the practice as a, 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 like a burden my wife doesn't have to worry about. Does that make sense? So when I was doing our, our family estate plan and I was tweaking it a little bit, most good powers of attorney will have like business powers of attorney in case somebody does have a business, right? So what I actually did was I, for my power of attorney I gave my wife, I stripped out all the business powers of attorney and I gave those to my associate. And I kept with my wife the ability to enter a buy-sell agreement, okay, so that my associate can run the practice, right? My wife doesn't have to worry about it, and she can just kind of enter in a buy-sell agreement. And we've kind of come up with a number that we feel both feel comfortable with. I've told my wife, my associate, and it's not, it's not really about money. I mean, there has to be money in your operating account. You know, they talk about having maybe three or six months worth of income in there. This time of year, it seems like you have closer maybe to six months as opposed to three months, right? Because, you know, you just kind of build up or especially personal injury guys, you guys make all your money in December and maybe they write those checks for January, I guess, right? So there's operating income in there for a while, but it gives some flexibility to my wife to do a buy-sell agreement. What I've encouraged my associate to do is, is just get some life insurance on me so that if I die that life insurance can just pay off my wife. So part of losing that weight was to make those premiums. You're talking about losing weight before, but beforehand that's hopefully going to help the premiums. Cause uh, I put on a little bit of weight over the last three years with uh, some kids, you know, and all that good stuff. You know, that's the, the idea of the insurance policy to pay off a spouse. I, I that's not something I've ever considered. No one's ever given me that advice either. That's interesting. So would you suggest, let's say that, I actually, you know what, maximum lawyer, let's use it as an example. Let's say, would it make sense for me to take out a policy or, or maximum lawyer to take out a policy on each of us in case something were to happen to one of us and then they basically pay off our spouse? Would you recommend something like that? I've seen that a lot of businesses do that, like key employees, all good yeah. stuff. 
We, yeah, I was going to say, we did that at my old firm with the three partners. We all had that on each other. And if we're going to be doing insurance, this would be a good time now that I've lost my weight. It'd be a good time to, to go in for a, a quote. Becca, you hear that? We got to get, get some insurance. Let's get it done. <laughs> we really need insurance on Becca is what we really need. <laughs> also, also true. Yes. Very good. The Guild is maximum lawyers community of lawyer entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you will build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country four times per year. And in 2023, we've added a half-day workshop to each mastermind where you'll learn new skills while working on improving systems and aspects of your personal firm. Then take the hot seat on day two and work through your most pressing challenge. It's all inside the Guild. To learn more, visit maxlawguild.com. I think the older you get, the more you realize the value of these conversations. It wasn't like, it was like three months ago, a lawyer had a, a, a car, a significant car accident uh, drive, driving down the highway in, in our small town. Uh, and that kind of shook him up, right? We don't take care of ourselves very well, health-wise, right? And we're under a lot of stress. Things can happen. So having just a few documents, I think, is helpful. So you can, I think a business power of attorney is, is really helpful. You can just create a business power of attorney. If you don't have an associate, just give that to some friend, right? So that a business power of attorney is only good if you're alive. Does that make sense? Like, like a normal power of attorney, if I'm dead, you can't really use a power of attorney, right? So that's when you have to tweak kind of your operating documents and your business documents. So this is a good encouragement to do yearly minutes in your corporate book, wherever it is, right? Put yearly minutes that you met and you discussed how you want to do your succession plan that should be in your, in your minutes. There are some agreements to close your firm in the future that you can kind of create, uh, which would kind of be the next step with that life insurance that that already that agreement can be in there. I don't have to worry about attorney client privilege when I'm dealing with an associate. Um, but if, if you don't have an associate or another attorney, then, you know, that's kind of an issue you have to be mindful of um, if a third party takes over that. I think it's important to set up your associate for success. So having a letter uh, that she can send out to the client saying, hey, I, I'm going to tell you she's, she's fantastic. She's been working with me this many years. She is going to service you and your estate plan and be there for your family. I'm sorry I wasn't, right? Can really be very impactful and, and uh, help her have success. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. I, this may seem so silly, but like, what about like a video? Like, what about like a video where like Jim sits down and records it? You know, like if you're, you're watching this, exactly. If that you're means watching I've been it. murdered on, on a desert island, and I'm yeah, one of those types of videos. Like, what, like, what about things like that? You see those things, movies. Do they, does that make sense? Well, that's that's funny. That was kind of my hack of the week. Uh, was gonna uh, talk about you know, we have these great phones and we talk about them for promoting our business, right? And you know, running the law from the right way, but ending it the right way can also be done with these phones and um. You know, if you have kids, uh, you know, I have daughters. And so my hack was going to be, you know, if, if I'm gone, I mean, they've lost a significant male figure in their life. So I have videos that those girls can watch in the event I'm not there for high school graduation, their wedding. And I had actually my great, I actually did this for my grandparents. My grandparents have videos to my daughters on the night before their wedding. I did that before they died. 
so they could ha- be there at that that moment. So these phones, this video, it's really a way to keep your voice uh, and your impact far beyond you know your life. That's re- that's really heart wrenching, actually, um, to even think about my my children doing that. But I have more of a, I guess a more practical question about that. I mean, how do they get it? Like, where do you put this stuff? Like what, like what's your advice on where to put these things? I know that Tiffany's former partner had like a document, like a one document, like a one sheet. And he talked about it quite a bit. What about things like, you know, how to get into your phone and like what happened? Like, it's like you can take and go, Hey, I was such an, I was Tyson's spouse. Can I get into his phone? I mean, Verizon's not going to do that for me. Apple's not probably going to do that with, for me, but I guess I, I don't know how that works. I mean, what, what, what do you do in that situation? So here's kind of how I've set things up. It's not perfect. Right. But as far as the passwords for your, for your firm, uh, there are a lot of these one password ones that you can set up like LastPass and whatnot. And so uh, that's what we've set up for some of our firm accounts. Okay. But there are some master ones like the, the credit card, the bank accounts and that, you know, I wouldn't want my staff to get unless I died. Right. So there's like, there's you and then there's what your staff immediately has access and there's something in the middle. Right. So it's very simple just to create a dummy account in the middle. Right. It's never used unless you die, right? So that one master password at that time then would have access to everything, right? And you wouldn't give it to anybody until you died. So where you put that password, that one password, it would be important um, so people could have access to it. It's not hard. As far as the videos for family, you can just set up uh, a Gmail account. And if you have an idea for a video, just shoot it and stick it in that Gmail account. Uh, Give it to your best man. Um, I talked to a buddy of mine a few weeks ago and I said, Hey, if I die, it's your job to walk my daughters down the aisle. <laughs> and he was like, he was like blown away. And I was like, he's like, is everything okay? You know? And I, I get that question a lot. And I was like, no, I'm, I just do estate planning and I talk about death all the time. So, it, you know, it's probably on my mind more than uh, most folks. So those are, those are kind of some ways that you can, you can do that. I, the phone thing is tricky because of the biometrics that's set up on it. So that's why I like the last pass extra email to bridge the gap between what you give them now, what you currently have. My question was, Stephen, what we talked a lot about death and at the beginning you had mentioned disability. So I'm wondering, are there special concerns or I mean, obviously, I think everybody should have good disability insurance, long, long term, short and long, I guess. But what are there other considerations when the person doesn't actually pass away? So. There's a lot of things, you know, comas are, are the big question. Are they going to make it? Uh, maybe I need to be in a coma for three months, right? And that's why having, you know, maybe it's just uh, uh, some kind of car accident. My body needs to heal before they wake me up, right? That's why the business power of attorney is so important because that can run the business while I'm incapacitated, right? Long-term care insurance, uh, I about six months ago, the bar had somebody like the local bar and I reached out to them and they, they were just a mess. Like I sent them information. I applied for it, had to tell them I'm a private pilot. Right. And for whatever reason, they haven't gotten back to me about that, but I can't remember what the quote is. They had a quote. It, it wasn't really that much. I mean, from the amount of money that you can get up to 10, 20, you know, 10 to 15,000 a month or so that you, you gotta, I looked at it and I thought, well, full-time care for me, let's say I need a full-time caregiver, right? That's going to eat up maybe 40,000 a year, right? 
And then that doesn't even replace any income, right? So I do think that my partner had long-term care insurance and then he got rid of it when he was 65 because he said, it's hard for lawyers to be disabled. Like we would really have to be in a coma. We could, they can will us to work, right? If a hand's not working, we can still work. So to meet those qualifications of, of being disabled is, is, is kind of hard. So he, he got rid of his when his net worth was high enough that it, it didn't really matter to have that replacement income. I mean, well, I mean, let's say that we do everything you're talking about doing and let's say that something bad happens. Like you talk about setting up the payroll, right? But let, let's say that you've got the business power of attorney so someone can make some of the decisions, but like, do you stop paying your bills? Like, like, like for the business, like how does all that stuff start to start to play out? Because I, I mean, if this were to happen right now, honestly, in my firm, I don't think people would know what the hell to do. Um, I, I need to do a better job of, of having that succession planning. So like, what do people do whenever that happens? So first, most of everything we have is set up on, on auto pay, right? So there's not a whole lot of paper bills that are sent to us. It's frustrating because some of the paper bills we get are actually, this will be automatically deposited, you know, or withdrawn, right? So I'm like, I don't need this extra paperwork, right? But we have a list for, we have three different offices. So each office has different utilities, right? And having that power of attorney and having things auto set up, that gives you plenty of time to get those power of attorneys to those utility companies. Because typically the way it works is you can't just walk into a bank and use a power of attorney. Typically they have to send it to their legal team. And then within 24 hours, they'll say, okay, yes, we'll recognize this power of attorney. Makes sense. So one of the issues you have to think about is do you want the power of attorney to be effective immediately or do you want to have uh, one or two doctors saying you're incapacitated to take over? And when I do estate planning, I'm like, I really don't want to have to get two new doctors to say you're incapacitated just to use something, right? So for individuals, I don't do that. I I just make them effective immediately because if you don't trust that person, you know, I don't know why you're not naming a power of attorney, but you may want to have one doctor to have to sign off and say you're incapacitated before it's effective. Uh, so that's a little nuance about your personal versus your business power of attorney. But it's going to it's going to take a while to it should. The best thing I can tell folks for estate planning is write everything down. And I'll tell you in the in the I don't know how many a thousand meetings I've had with people. Clients get richer in estate planning meetings, unlike any other meeting. They just get, they have, oh, I forgot about this $20,000 and this $5,000 account. And so they're like, oh, you know, so everybody today, if they do nothing, should just get a piece of paper and write down where their assets are, right? Uh, And that, if you just do that, you're going to save a huge headache for everyone because you don't want them to go on a treasure hunt to find things, right? So that's what I'd say about trying to make that as easy as possible for them. It's going to be, it's going to be terrible anyway. Right. I mean, it's, there's going to be issues, but I think we can do a lot uh, that can help a lot. So when it comes to the business side of things though, like where do you put those documents? Do you make sure you tell everyone in your, in your firm or do you tell like one person or another person, like where do you store this stuff so that from a business standpoint, I'm not really talking about the, from the personal standpoint, but from like a business standpoint, like, do you go out and get, you get a save? Like what about things like that? Oh, someone mentioned uh, a firm Wikipedia like years ago, right? So we have a firm Wikipedia that's got that information on it, where those utilities are. I don't really care about about that. It's, you, I try to make it as simple as possible, right? I mean, you just put the account numbers on there. The business, uh, all, all my associate needs to know is where I bank at. She knows because we set up a firm expense account, 
So instead of them having access to our major account, we have a smaller account that has less money in it. Uh, so if they were to commit fraud or something, right, it's not going to affect everything that's in there. So they, they know where, the, where, we, where we bank at, right? And you can give that bank a copy of those powers of attorney. And we're a small community, so they're, they're going to know what's happening. You know, everybody knows everybody to some degree. Or if something happened to me or you guys, I'm, I'm sure people would, would know. And so you can, you can put it in your, we have a safe. I think everybody has a combination of my safe. You can put it in the firm Wikipedia I mean, I guess we typically say don't give out your password, right? That's what we tell people, right? But I think it's important to at least like like the master password, maybe that's something that you put in a safety deposit box, right? You don't change that and you on that safety deposit box, you say, okay, I want this person to have access to it, right? And so they can go in there and get access to that that code. I don't think there's any really wrong way to do it. I think... Many of us, we want the perfect plan before we do something, right? And I have heard over and over again, a plan that's executed is better than a perfect one that doesn't get done. So I wouldn't get so caught up in the details that you don't do anything. I would do something and you're going to tweak it and it's going to be so individualized for your firm and what's best for you. We often say, don't let the person you want to be hate who you are today, right? Don't let the perfect succession plan, you know, hate who you are today. Just do something, right? So I'm just taking words that other people have said and applying everything applies, I think, to succession planning, too. All right. So I'm going to ask you one last question, then let Jim ask the last question if, he, if he's got one. But not the personal stuff, not the will, not the not the trust. Like if you're going to if you're going to put together one document for your firm, like what should that document be? One document for the firm. It's hard. If I just said the business power of attorney doesn't help when I die. Right. I would say in your corporate documents, have a succession plan in those corporate documents. Because I can give that to a bank in the event of incapacity or death, and they can know who, who's in the trust. So that would be the document I would make sure it says what you, what you want to happen. All right. So, Stephen, one of the things you said, I think it's the most one of the most important pieces of this about getting people to move. And, and that is that you said it's going to be horrible anyway. Right. Like what we're talking about are worst case scenarios, situations where a spouse or children or employees are left without a mother or father or a partner or boss. Can you talk a little bit about how or if you've seen effective ways for people to sort of process that and work through that? I mean, my buddy, Jim McMullen, who who does a lot of estate planning, he told me that he had probably 10 estate plans that he'd been pulling fully paid for and he tried his best to get the people to come in and sign it and they wouldn't just because I think there was some mental block about death, right? Do you have any tips for anybody on that? Well, most of the folks who do talk to an estate planning attorney, I ask them, what are their goals? And they say, I want to make things as easy as possible for my kids, right? And that's what all of us as parents want, right? We do it. We always care about them. And so that is extremely motivating. Um, the, the truth is estate planning and succession planning is very altruistic. I think that's the word, right? It's something you're doing for someone else, right? You could just leave this world like many lawyers do and just die and, and let others clean up the mess. But most say, you know, I, it's bad enough that I'm gone. I don't want them to have a mess to clean up. So that's the conversation. And the silent generation, which is the 77 and 97 year olds, they don't talk about anything. 
the baby boomers, 77 to 57, are much better because they dealt with no communication, having no idea what's going on. So I'm seeing more discussions and more openness and transparency with the baby boomers' children than with the silent generation. So there's generational impacts to how people view the end of life. I think it makes you live more fully whenever you talk about the end, right? That, you know, my kids know, my dad talked about it, right? And uh, he was ready, you know, that's the goal. We can't be here forever. So it's great stuff. All right. We're going to wrap things up before I do. I want to remind everyone to join us in the big Facebook group. There's a lot of great information being shared there every single day. If you want a more high level conversation, join us in the guild, go to maxlawguild.com. We would love to see you in the guild. And while you're listening to the rest of this episode, if you don't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate it. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? My hack of the week is a podcast that I just stumbled upon. Now, some of you might have read the wonderful book, Deep Work, uh, by Cal Newport or the, the End of Email. Little did I know that Cal Newport has a podcast. And very interestingly, he handles things a little bit differently. So he does do questions from the audience to create his podcast. But, you know, he's very much about being efficient with his time. And so he makes people email him the question or record it. And then he puts that into the thing. So he's, he's not about the human interaction, right? He's about how do I get as much done as possible? I learned about his podcast because Tim Ferriss had a special episode a little while ago. He had parts of Tara Brash and Ryan Holiday and then Cal Newport. So like Cal Newport has a whole thing in there about, you know, time efficiency and time management, all that stuff. So the podcast, it's called Deep Questions with Cal Newport. And they're long episodes, but it's good stuff. I just now subscribed to it. So thanks for sharing that. That's cool. Love it. All right, Stephen, you we kind of teed you up before. It sounds like you already have a tip for us. So what you got for us? So I was going to say uh, create videos for your team in case you're gone. And that way, what a way to soften that blow, if that's even a thing. Uh, do that for your uh, family. Uh, do that for your kids. When my partner died. He had letters that he, I remember him writing in, in the office that he, he didn't do videos, but he wrote letters to his kids after he was gone. And uh, those notes, I think, can have such a great impact on how you are remembered and how you help them grieve your loss. That's good. I'm, I'm going to do that. I've already been writing a little you know, book for my kiddos. So I'm going to, I'm going to do something. And I think it'd be kind of cool to do like a private podcast for them. That'd be so cool, but I don't know. I'm going to do something creative. I don't, who knows if podcasts are even going to be a thing in 10 years. I think they probably will, but you never know. But um, my uh, tip of the week is a, an app. I've been doing a lot more TikToking and Instagramming reels, doing some reels and a really easy editor while I'm just kind of hanging out is InShot. It is, it, it, you, have, you do have to pay for it. They have a monthly one. You can do a yearly one. I just bought the, the, the lifetime one for like $34.99. So it's not super expensive, but it's really easy. Like all those TikToks and Instagram reels that you see, a lot of the edits you can tell are done in, in InShot. It's really easy to do. So you can even do like picture in picture with the videos. It's really cool. So highly recommend it. Steven, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. I think this is great. We, I think it was a great idea of Jim to turn this into a podcast because we were just going to do this for the guild, but I think it is something that's pretty valuable for everybody. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks guys. All the best. Thanks buddy. See you brother. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. Go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum
Have a great week and catch you next time.